Hey everybody, welcome to another amazing episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 105 with London-based composer Angus McRae, who joins us this week to discuss the power music has within the medium of film, an interesting look into his creative process, and how he deals with the incredible amount of distractions we're all faced with on a daily basis. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen of the creative community, episode 105 with Angus McRae. Let's roll. So the way I discovered your work, I was, I think I was on motionographers. I'm going to tell the origin th- story from my point of view. <laughs> so yeah. people get an idea of kind of how we've connected and, and how you're here and, and our friendship and collaboration thus far. So, um, but I was, I was on motionographer and there was this really beautiful animated, um, feature on the page. I think it was called way out. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And I watched it and I was like, wow, this is really unique. And at the end of this piece, there was this little like 10 second or 15 second blip of music that was just, it like really spoke to me. Um, for those of you that love music as much as me, you know that when you hear something and it speaks to you, like you just want to hear it more or find out who did it or, or play it over and over. I'm one of those people that, um, ruin songs by playing them over and over too many times but <laughs> but yeah it was this little bit and i was like wow who did that and the beautiful thing about this day and age is that i was able to find i was like okay who did the score i found your name and i was like okay let me google this guy and then i found your soundcloud and i was like oh wow like this guy is incredibly talented i never heard of him and he's got some really amazing work and i'm like this uh we must talk so and that's talk about collaborating and building films and and uh yeah we're doing something really cool we probably can't talk about it much but um really excited about that and but that's how i found that's how i found you the internet led me to you and my interest and curiosity but all in all your talent and your dedication to what you do um and your taste and quality got you there so yeah dude thanks for coming on the show no no problem thanks for having me it's uh yeah it's good to be here definitely and I mean, yeah, well, thanks for getting in touch in the first place. You know, it's, uh, it was a nice kind of surprise email out the blue. I remember getting it just being like, who is this guy, like, emailing me? And then I kind of, you know, I sort of did a similar thing and looked you up. And, um, and you know, it was, it was great to see that you obviously uh, know what you're doing as well, definitely. And, uh, yeah, and then obviously we just kind of, like, sparked up some conversation. And, um, and yeah, it was great. We just seemed to be on the same page with so much stuff. And, and you know, I really loved the work that you're doing, and and we just kind of, yeah, it was great. It's really nice when those kind of emails come in out of the blue, and then and then they just lead to so much kind of inspiration and and good conversations and interesting jobs, you know, and um, hopefully kind of long term creative relationships as well. It, absolutely. If, if anything, if if people are listening to this, it's about being proactive and putting your work out there, but also. Um, I genuinely like to reach out to people that I admire and just without intentions of anything other than just saying, Hey, like, I really love what you're doing. Like, thank you so much. And, mm. um, just being genuine. Cause that's all I was being really, you know, I had no intention like, Oh, I want to do something. I was just thinking this guy's work is great. He should be, he, I should tell him that, you know, like that, that goes yeah. a long way, you know, just being genuine about it. And then, um, you know, 
I think once we started discussing um, these really interesting nuances about the things that, that we love about music and sharing links and discussing tones and, you know, everything mm. from Chris Martinez Solaris soundtrack, which is one of my favorites to um, big um, classical kind of <laughs> flamboyant music and crazy madness yeah, that yeah. Are, are what crystal ball is doing with utopia and stuff, you know, like yeah, all these yeah, beautiful yeah. things. Um, amazing things. Amazing. Um, yeah. Things, and yeah. to be honest, just to kind of go back to your um, whole, emailing without an agenda thing i think i don't know i i remember that's kind of when you when you sent me a, an email like that's what just really came across from it i was like you know this guy isn't like you know it, there's no agenda here it's just it, it's just a genuinely nice email and and as you say there's so much for so much to be said for that i think just just reaching out to people and saying i like what you're doing and um you know, maybe one day we'll be able to do some stuff, but either way, just keep up the good work. And so often the kind of best relationships come from just, you know, contact like that, which is just genuine, genuinely admiring someone else. Yes, I agree. And that's, it's cool. I know I didn't really think, think of it like that until we started articulating the origin story basically. So, but no, it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's, it's cool. And I think, uh, I found, you know, like one of my closest collaborators and one of my best friends right now like uh, my buddy Anthony is just like I work mm. on so many things with him and it, actually our, our friendship cre was created from the same thing so um, I think mm. that's a beauty if you know the internet has it's like I always say it's a tool and you can use it for many different things but um, I think the if you can use it to, to help you and others and just by connecting with one another just on the genuine por portion that's really um a great way to use it i think you know so because we yeah. haven't met yet we haven't met in person um no. but we've it's been a lot of miles between us yeah exactly you're out in the uk <laughs> and i'm out here in san diego you know so yeah definitely completely different worlds yeah, I think you pulled the better uh, straw on that one, certainly weather-wise. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't, can't go wrong with the weather down here in San Diego. It's, 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 yeah, it's something else for sure. Definitely blessed down here. That's why I haven't yeah. left. So, But I really yeah, wanted, yeah. I wanted to get some more information about just kind of... We, do, we don't have a lot of composers on the podcast, unfortunately. Um, been working on mm -hmm. getting quite a few. I'm trying to get... Christo Ballon, that would be, I think he would be yeah. amazing. Um, and quite a few others. Yeah, we, no. we, we try to get Cliff Martinez just because we tried, but, uh, <laughs> but I think that why this, that, yeah, why not? And, 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 and the same with you, we just, you know, I was like, you know, I would love to talk with you about music because, um, it's honestly, I think sometimes, um, people might disagree with me, but a good score is 80% of the experience of a film. You take the score out of star Wars, um, good luck, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's cool looking and it's got some cool stuff to it but those those theme songs when those things hit yeah, that's that's I, when well, to be, go ahead go on sorry that's no, okay i was gonna say about star wars was um absolutely like you know it's, it's the big it's the hummable themes that are, you know they are incredible but equally you know you the like well john williams obviously is a bit of a master but um genius for sure oh yeah, yeah. um but i mean it, it, so much of it is his underscore and and it's really fascinating because you're absolutely right that um you know that music plays an enormous part definitely in sort of 
pushing an audience in certain directions it's you know it's so manipulative emotionally um but actually half of the skill of it is is that stuff that you you can't hum afterwards um that you perhaps didn't even notice was there um and i think someone like john williams is an absolute master of that um being able to hit kind of so many points in any given scene and take the audience in so many different directions and and half the audience don't even know that music's even really playing um like that that's a real talent definitely to be able to kind of get so into the skin of a film and under the skin of an audience um to be able to uh to kind of take them on that journey without them even knowing that they're being taken on it if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the true magic. And that's, as soon as I started hearing you talk about crazy shit like that, I was like, Oh, okay. We're instantly friends. Cause that's exactly the, <laughs> that's exactly the world that I try to discover and live within because, um, oftentimes if I leave an experience of, let's just say a, a film experience and we can even use example like inception, which has an incredible score, which is constantly mm. knocked off, constantly replicated. Um, but it really carried that film in all respects, you know, it really, yeah. when the film wasn't, wasn't really carrying itself visually or story-wise, the score was, was lifting everything so that you wouldn't even, you would basically be caught in the mood that Han was putting there, um, to kind of steer your emotions. From my opinion, I think that's, that's magic in itself, you know? Mm. Well, I mean, I think in that film in particular, like, I mean, obviously the concepts were so bold and to to be able to create any kind of a sense of, you know, to be able to convince an audience to go along with the idea that they're kind of operating in these, you know, dreams within dreams and, um, you know, these kind of concepts that need a bit of selling, you know, to get people really on board. I think music can, uh, well, obviously the music in that film sort of did such an incredible job of just kind of always just setting that atmosphere um and it's sort of quite famously pretty much kind of like what you call wall-to-wall music like just the whole film basically is pretty much underscored um yeah and um and like that's that's bold like i mean i think one when i'm sort of (laughs) approaching um scoring films and, and that sort of thing i'm often looking to sort of say you know let's not have music in this particular place or wherever just because you know you need to be able to give that space so to be able to kind of compose like to be able to to have a whole film with music all the way through um and and i think you know it doesn't feel uh i mean i I love that film it doesn't feel kind of doesn't feel like you need that space that you'd usually need when there's music all the way through so that's certainly testament to to his talent yeah, you can go to the complete contrast and, and another master, like a master film for me is uh, There Will Be Blood. Or not There Will Be Blood, mm. sorry, uh, No Country for Old Men, which has no oh, score, yeah. you know? I don't think there's yeah. any score at all in that film. Yeah. It, but it doesn't need it. For it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, need yeah. it. Just like you're saying, the presence the presence of music, I think a lot of the times, often like you're saying, um, the sometimes, and we talk a lot about this and the concept of contrast, you know, and, and talking about our creative endeavors and creating things together. Um, the concept of what contrast does and, and how important that is. Oftentimes I think a lot of people don't see that and they're just very heavy handed and they want to put everything that they have on the palette. And usually that's due to insecurity or lack of tact, you know, mm, but yeah, yeah. what do you think about your approach to um, let's say like uh, the listener, the film that you're working on for the listener? Cause I also have that um, 
and I love listening to that. Uh, thank you, thanks. Oh, well, then you know that's completely different. Can I can I come back to that question in one second and actually yes. just talk about No Country for Old Men for one minute? Because oh, like, I find that film like so fascinating as it co- <laughs> as, because it has no music in it, and and I think obviously it's so often put up next to There'll Be Blood, which has sort of you know an amazing score in its own right, but it sort of just functions in a very different way. And I think like I, I kind of find myself talking about No Country for Old Men quite a lot because it. Um, yeah, I just find it really fascinating what like the effects that no music brings to it. Yes, and I always just think that that ultimately what it does in that film is um, it it kind of I don't know I don't know if we've talked about this before, but um, it basically I feel like it kind of it just makes it less of a conventional story, like your beginning, middle, and end. Yes, it kind of makes it feel much more like this thing that's been going on for years, and you just jump in for. Um, you know, or whatever the length of the film is, and you witness it, and then you kind of jump off again at the end. But the film world kind of feels like it continues after you've left because there's no music saying, like, this story is complete. It's just kind of like you've just stopped witnessing it for a period of time, you know. Um, and I, I really love that effect that yeah. that gives um, of just being witness to something and not kind of being coerced into any emotion you know any particular direction or um not being given sort of signposts about the the sort of the story too much but just witnessing and watching and obviously the way it's shot is sort of you know it it helps a lot of that as well but um yeah i just find that really fascinating i kind of feel like i talk about that film a lot and it's a great film you know, to talk it's about no music it. it's <laughs> a ma- it's a masterwork in my opinion it's a it's a master film um in so many rights and it's 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 a you what you get too is you get a a film by two filmmakers um from many years of making great films but you get the maturity um, that they couldn't necessarily provide back when they were doing like Raising Arizona, for example. Because if you go watch Raising Arizona, there's yodeling and screaming and all kinds of shit going on it. And that fits the world perfectly. And they're completely different dishes, you know? Um, mm. But they're both in their own right. And I think what you're saying, um, which is kind of ironic too, um, it's almost like I love films that don't have title sequences in them or design or UI. I guess I'm like, <laughs> there's no need for that stuff. It's not for everything, you know? Like if there was UI well, in one of these films, it'd be like, what the hell? So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let me get my gun and my scope and get my, all these yeah, yeah. stuff in the, the way of it, you know, it clutters, it clutters the experience basically. Um, if it's not yeah, done right. I, I, and when you do it, when you're in that world, I think you appreciate it more when people are bold enough not to, you know, need to rely on bells and whistles or like, you know, what you might think of as kind of easy tricks because you do it. Um, you know, you're the one usually responsible for kind of designing that stuff. I think you kind of you can't help but admire um, it when people are bold enough to say, like, we don't need any of it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think often films with barely any music in it often my favorite <laughs> um bizarrely where do you think um, where do you think it's necessary um good question um i mean obviously like you can you can use music for a, a number of different um functions you know it can be as basic as just setting um you know a genre or a time period or just kind of giving people a few clues um obviously if you're setting um setting a film in the wild west or um you know in some period of history there are certain 
um, sort of musical references that everyone understands that if you sort of throw in, then it immediately helps to just place people in that world. Um, so I think that's kind of one use of it. And then obviously the, the sort of primary use of it is to sort of tap into it's into subtext basically it's into kind of that thing in the scene that um that you can't that, that's sort of, sort of supposed to be going on in the character's heads that you can't necessarily see um or kind of you know those split second you, you know you can use music you, by bringing in music at key moments you can um you can make people think that someone just thought something or just remembered something um you know especially if you're using motifs that you might have established and connected to a particular emotion or a particular relationship or something and then you know so i think that um you know when you're initially going through a film and sort of trying to figure out where music is needed um you're looking you know whether you need to establish place and time and genre or whether there is something in a character that's that you know that you need to bring out basically um or you know looking for places where you might be intentionally misleading an audience into believing something that you can then sort of turn on its head later on um which you know is that manipulation again isn't it yeah um, it's all manipulation yeah well i mean horror obviously horror is often talked about and sort of you you've got kind of like the horror cliches um and uh, and obviously you've got the kind of great uh, great composers that that all began from like well uh, Bernard Herman is kind of the, the big one um, and Hitchcock and all that sort of era um, and um, and obviously that you know it's that sort of famous thing that often um, you know if you if you switch off the sound in a scary film then it's no longer scary because. Um, you don't feel like there's anything just around the corner because there's no one telling you that there's something just around the corner. Yeah. Um, they had, you, you, although interesting. Yeah. Have you Sorry, ever listened? Just... No, it's okay. No, this is, this is exactly what this is. Um, the way that you acknowledge things is really great. And the way that you are kind of deciphering, you know, when to put this and where to put it. Yeah. You know, I can even bring up a case study of like alien, for example, and um, mm. how, when the score was made, uh, I think uh, Ridley had to fight a lot because he didn't want... So the intention was that he was making a new world and he didn't want to tell the audience that they're about to see something scary. Mm. So it was almost like misleading them, thinking that they're going to... Not to do, to, to do a jump scare because that's easy, but trying to figure out a way of luring your mind into these intentions. And if you really like... Every film that's really great you can sit back and if you just listen to the score and kind of even shut the the visuals off and just kind of listen and then study each section i would advise if you want to study that the best way to do it for me is like do like three to five minute stints of the film and sit there and analyze it back and forth and go like oh that was really good or a a memorable moment in a film that you really like like oh in fight club when tyler does this or you can there's like this little pop that happens in the sound design mm-hmm. and you didn't realize it when you first watched it, but it was a subliminal thing that you're every you're taking in everything obviously, but yeah, it's yeah. happening so fast that you can't categorize it. Um, and I think the best artists, they dis- they disguise all those little intentions, you know, definitely. And, and, you know, talking of sound design, I mean, um, like let's give those guys credit. Absolutely. Because oh, yeah. I think like, it, you know, I, I think all of, all of us who work in this kind of world where, we're kind of 
you know we might we're sort of a little bit more behind the scenes in a way um we often think like oh you know no one noticed that or whatever but i think with something like sound design um you know often the composers will get kind of credited with like oh the music brought so much to it but the, the sound is such a and a huge huge part of it and and it's kind of amazing what happens i mean i've just been i just working on this short film and we were just mixing it um last weekend um and it's it's half an hour long so it's kind of um you know it's it's in kind of three acts basically so there's a lot of kind of motif and um you know lots of themes that are developed and interesting stuff um but i've you know, I've just been working on it with kind of just the the dialogue that they recorded, and with the Heathrow flight path going over the top, so these planes coming in every two seconds, and um, and you know, and and I was kind of I just got completely used to it, just being that noisy, and then um, went into the studio at the, um, at the weekend, and this kind of yeah, we got this really great sound designer on. Um, and um and you know just done an amazing job of just cleaning it all up and making all the dialogue really come forward and and just creating this sense of this world we're just using kind of ambiences and environments and stuff and and i was suddenly like it's amazing suddenly like the music just kind of sits in this world so much better than it ever did and it's all just because the sound design makes it into a believable world yep. and then you can sort of just glue the music into that um so I'm always very grateful to good sound designers for kind of making me sound good, you know. Sure, of um, course. They're there to kind yeah. of bring the world together sonically and combine everything. And, oh, this needs to be here and that needs to be there and decisions made. How often do you yeah. think are you, when you get engaged on these projects and you're you're working on them, um, what's your process? What's your approach like? Because it's, you're, we're similar, but we're completely different in what we do. So I'm just curious mm. as to, you know, do you read the script? Um, mm. Do you write notes? Do you, like, what's your creative, yeah. what's your creative approach? Um, well, always being refined, that's for sure. Like, I think on every project, you obviously, like, you learn, like, one thing that you think, like, okay, next time around, I'm going to have to make sure I do that right from the start. Um, but, yeah, I like to get involved early if I can, Um I mean, I, I don't know if I've kind of ever told you where I kind of all started out originally. Like, I um, I did a lot of work in the theatre. Um, mm, that yeah, makes which sense. Was completely, yeah. Like, it was completely, um, I kind of fell into it, you know, I, when I was studying and I just kind of met some people and they kind of said, oh, we're making a play and, like, do you happen to write music? And I sort of said yes, even though I'd never really done it. And, um, <laughs> awesome. and then kind of that all came together and, and I used to kind of play piano live and, um, and sort of, you know, kind of um, do all that. And, and obviously in the theatre, like you don't really see it until like about an hour before it actually opens, you know, because <laughs> yeah. like there are so many components that just come in right at the end. Um, not least like, the actual performances um so you have to get involved like you have to read the scripts and you have to um you know just kind of you have to kind of create your own version of the play in your head obviously talking to the director and it helps if you've got a good relationship and you can both kind of build that world together and then you kind of you know you end up creating a lot of music before the scenes even exist for them um and so i've sort of carried that process over if you know if i can um read a script if i can come down when they're shooting it like you know i i like to do all that stuff i mean 
I'm a bit of a film geek anyway. Like I love the whole process of how it's all made. So if if they're shooting here, like in London, then I'll usually try and like get down there and and meet some people and just get a flavour for kind of the worlds that they're creating and um, ideas that are coming out of the room and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so, so and then you know often obviously then there's a period of time when it's you know all coming together. So it kind of. I like I like to kind of have stuff that's just sitting on the back burner for a few weeks and and just you know ticking around my mind and um, I remember Clint Mansell I saw a talk with uh, Clint Mansell uh, like eighteen months ago or something and actually I met him afterwards as well he's a very nice man and um, I met his parents uh, which was really bizarre they'd come down because they just come from this tiny little town in the Midlands uh, of England and, and and sort of they just found it so exciting that he had this big talk in London so they came down <laughs> so cool. I ended up having a very long chat with Clint Mansell's parents which is very bizarre but anyway <laughs> he was talking a lot about kind of his relationship with uh, Darren Aronofsky and, and how like he likes to get involved in things like like two years before they they're even like shot you know um, so that they can just be ticking over in the back of his mind and um, and you know he'll be working on something else, and then something will come out of it, and he'll think, "Oh yeah, no, that would be great for that project or yeah. whatever." And um, I think it's it's really important to have that time just to kind of be able to kind of take steps back from a project and approach it and think about it. And um, so the earlier the better, definitely. Um, it's not always possible, but if I can do it, then then I do try and get on early. Um, that's the best way I think too. integration and mm. it's obvious the more you're talking about your process too, that you're more of a thinking type of person too. And the approach for you, it seems like is more in line with, um, being completely collaborative and uh, hands-on and, uh, integral, like integrated, um, because you Definitely. see the powerful power of music, uh, in, in, it's it's unique tool in film is very powerful um mm. obviously mm. either it's there or not you know um just like mm. you said in this case study of um, no country for old men is the case that case in point is that that film's a masterpiece without it and that almost is because it it's totally unconventional and it and it almost makes the world completely its own entity you know mm mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, like I think that films, like I think the thing that I find the most fascinating about working on films is that they're all these kind of knots that need to be unpicked, you know, uh, especially musically. You need to, I think you need to be able to take that time. So, so kind of going on for the rest of the process, I kind of, you know, once it's shot and, and I've got kind of rough cuts coming in, then, you know, then I sort of write big, I write big sort of lists, just huge kind of cue sheet lists, just hmm. of everything that kind of uh, needs to be done. And then I kind of usually have lots of columns that kind of, you know, I have these big Google spreadsheets and I kind of, I like to share them with people as well, like share them with the director and um, and kind of say like, you know, add stuff, like add notes if things have come to your head or whatever. Um, and just kind of, I just, try to kind of get a bit of a map of it um because often the hardest thing is kind of you know if you're working on something that's longer than just to kind of like keep in your head especially if you're working on loads of things at once like 
if you're coming back to this project all the time, you've always got to kind of like just get up to speed every time with like what's happened in the previous scene or like the build up to it. It's like you, you've got to kind of make life easy for yourself. So I try to kind of get these, you know, these big kind of maps basically of the film that I can kind of just say like, oh yeah, I know exactly what's just happened. And I know kind of like what key I was in, even in that last cue. And I know like, you know, where we should be shifting to and where we're aiming for. And um, I think that's the only way that you can kind of really tackle it in any kind of meaningful way. Um, Cause I think otherwise, it, you know, it all just begins to fall apart and, it, you know, you, you do need to be, and as I'm sure you, you well know, and I'm sure there are plenty of um, sort of equivalents for you, you. You know, you really have to be so on top of it, um, organisational wise, just to just to be able to kind of like make sure it all comes together at the end as it's supposed to, um, especially when you're you know up against a deadline or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's <laughs> a tough pattern. Yeah, it's a tough pattern. Sorry, Skype has a delay, and also you're on the other side of the earth, so it's like <laughs> it, it it messes up every once in a while. But no, that's, no that's it's. I mean, that's one thing I was gonna wanted to talk to you about too. Having just started doing our collaboration, you're very mm. clear, you're very thorough, you're very professional, and um, that's a really important aspect I think of this game, especially if you want to do this professionally and pay your bills. Where mm. where did this kind of come about? Because it's 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 uncommon to find another creative that's very thorough. Because I'm very thorough my own self, um, or as best I can. And I'm I'm I navig mm. I'm navigating like nine <laughs> things right now, so it's like all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But the only way to do um, that is to be like that, right? I think so. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm glad it comes across. It's something that I think is it's definitely important. I mean, it's this sort of like it's this weird thing because we're all doing this thing that is you know it's it's cool and it's like and it's kind of you know it's what we always wanted to do and, and all the rest of it but I think if you don't treat it if you don't treat that side of it with that kind of level of professionalism then people begin to not I don't know I think it people just begin to think that you're not really kind of in it properly you know yep. um you're not you're, you're there's sort of a difference between like doing something you love and doing it well and then being able to like deliver on time and manage a budget and um like and you know it's just little things like if you're going to be late on something or if something's like you know it's taking longer than you imagined then I think like you know it's just having the initiative to be like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna contact this person I'm just gonna manage expectations here and let them know that there's been this thing and um you know the world just spins more easily when you when you sort of operate like that I think um and and you know no one no one really teaches you to do that so I think it takes time to kind of figure out how to how to kind of run it like a business basically which which you have to um and like you can still like have great creative relationships and um and you know go for beers with people and like and you know enjoy all that side of this world which is kind of really really great but i think when it comes down to it ultimately people want to people want to know that you're going to deliver at the end of the day and they want to know that you can you know deal with all that side of, of stuff so communication um, right so you're talking about because that's really what yeah. it is it's like keeping your communication as clean as clear as possible 
exactly um you know it's kind of i kind of feel like recently there have been a few projects that i've done where i kind of needed to um you know hire other people other kind of creative people and and it suddenly kind of put me in the opposite shoes like usually you know people hire me but um I was just only like, oh, it's really kind of interesting. Kind of, you know, if I haven't heard from this person for a week or whatever, then I start to think like, God, like I really hope they're gonna actually like do it, and finish the <laughs> job or whatever. Um, so it's yeah. like, if it now, you know, I sort of learned from that. I'm kind of like, well, if I haven't spoken to someone in a week, like, even if you know there hasn't been a huge amount of progress or whatever, it's like just drop them a line and just say like. I'm still working on it. It's still in my head. Like we're, we're getting there type thing, you know? Sure. Communication. Um, uh, and, and like, and life's just always easier when you do that. Yeah. Um, I think. Even if it's not good news, I think you, just keeping it clear and open is really important. People respect that, especially like even for myself, you know, like when we talk about just timelines and everything, it's really important. Um, and I think that's really key. I mentioned that there's a, uh, there's three main qualities that you should try to aspire to be as far as when you do freelance or working in general. Um, one of them is being, um, punctual, which is on time, which is usually the most important thing. Um, then your communication and then your ease of work, like how easy and how, how good you are at working with somebody. I think those, those three things, if you can nail down at least two of those things, they'll forgive the third one. But, <laughs> yeah. but if you can get all three of them, you're going to be stellar and you'll be a rock star. So exactly, yeah. exactly. And, um, and, you know, relationships just are easier when, when you, when you do aim to kind of just operate like that, you know, you, it's the way you get the best out of people and they trust you. And, and, you know, if, if things happen, you know, then they're more likely to, to be understanding if you've been open with them and, and if you've, and if they know that you're only going to be honest with them. Um, so it just makes sense, I think ultimately. And I mean, I've been fortunate to, to know a lot of guys here, um, who, you know, other composers uh, and other creatives here in London who, um, you know, like I, I met a, a few years ago and they were all a bit older than me and, 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 you know, they're kind of my friends. Uh, but, you know they were great for sort of just figuring out the the way of kind of uh yeah the way you do it basically kind of just thinking like oh well those guys are kind of doing it right so you know they must be doing something right um, sure so that was that was so helpful just mentors and stuff that, basically yeah um you know just people who were kind of already more established and um I mean, it's the great thing about the internet because I wouldn't have met any of those people um, or not half of them without, you know, Twitter or whatever. But it was kind of a big sort of revelation for me when I was um, a bit younger, you know, just sort of finding all these people that were suddenly kind of like, um, it, it, you know, I think for quite a while I was sort of just, I was just thinking like, oh, yeah, I want to be a composer or whatever. And um, like, you know, like Hans Zimmer does that and, uh, Thomas Newman does that and all, you know you just look at all these like greats and you just think oh god how the hell am I ever gonna like, <laughs> get there like where are the rungs on the ladder you know sure and I think like the internet just kind of really opened that up for me and that I suddenly kind of found that I was you know hanging out with all these guys who were at every step basically on the ladder and sort of just made it seem suddenly like oh you know these are just normal guys and they just work hard and um 
and it just suddenly then became so much more of a kind of tangible thing i think so i feel like i've gone off on a massive tangent. no no it's yeah. you're no you're <laughs> what you're talking about is kind of like mentorship and and in and, and, and being professional based off example and that makes total sense and oftentimes people get advice from the podcast i mean because a lot of times the podcast is designed to be an, an advice machine um you know i bring people on the show they tell us what works for them and how they manage to make themselves successful and people that are smart and they're paying attention are going to take note and they're going to utilize that and put that into their game. And mm. it's going to make them sharper and they make them a better creative and just all around person usually. Um, cause it's, yeah. it's about, you know, it's not the, it's not the destination, it's the journey and, and perfecting and enjoying that journey. I think, you know, so, um, and, but, and the journey never ends either. That's the thing. Like no. we're always just wanting the next things. <laughs> like, yeah, I think the sooner you kind of just acknowledge that you're always going to be aspiring to, you know, the next thing, then you can kind of be happy with where you're at, you know, yes. um, <laughs> which is often a kind of a big part of it as well. When are you most content? At least it's um, in, in regards to your work, when, when are you most in uh, most happy, I guess? Good question. Um, I mean, I think, I'm, I mean, I'm always hungry. That's the thing. I mean, it's sort of one of the sort of, it can be a blessing and a curse, definitely, because mm-hmm. I'm off. I mean, I, I, I know you're the same, like, you know, you kind of, you have a bit of success and you think, oh yeah, that's great. I, I, I've got that thing that I really wanted or whatever. And then immediately you're like, great. Okay. Now what's next? Where's like, where's the next hit, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, to be honest, it's just as simple as, like, I, in a way I'm most happy when I'm kind of, like, right in the midst of a project that I'm really enjoying and the ideas are coming freely and, uh, you know, if that's a collaborative relationship, uh, you know, if uh, just when there's kind of a real sense of forward momentum, um, that's when I'm happy. You know, I'm not happy when I've bitten off more than I can chew and I've got you know like all these projects on the go at once and and i can't kind of focus my head on any particular one and that kind of can drive me a bit crazy but <laughs> um i mean like i don't know today has been a good case in point like you know i i feel like I, i've been kind of working on like an advertising pitch and a bunch of other stuff today and kind of get get to the end of it now and um and it feels like yeah i feel like i've written lots of good music today and, and i'm kind of happy and see what tomorrow tomorrow brings you know um i think that's when i'm most happy to be honest just even when i've just had a good day and i'm just kind of feeling like the ideas are flowing and that's what it takes really that's interesting to hear because it sounds exactly like me um the way that yeah. we approach it and like you said you know i feel good today because i've lived up to my expectations of myself for the for the day and so mm. like you feel like you've earned uh, rest i guess that's how i look at it because if mm-hmm. I, if I, I mean, it's probably bad and, and I'm have a similar thing where I'm always hungry. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see where that uh, originates. You know, did you, is it part of your childhood? Are you, are you coming from kind of like a compromised beginning and you're trying to overcompensate? A lot of the times people that I know that fill up their plate too much, it's almost like eating when you go and you put the plate and you're, you're really hungry, but your eyes deceive you. And so you put so much food on, but you can't really enjoy the food at a certain point because you're just, your stomach hurts, you know, (laughs) and that threat, there's a threshold there. Smart people, I think can find just the right amount just to keep their body going so that they don't, you know, 
crash or whatever, but yeah. 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 But where does that come from? That, that, that hunger, that desire, do you know? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I sort of, well, I think that my family have always, I, you know, I came from a kind of come from a family that's, you know, everyone's very ambitious. Uh, you know, my, my dad ran his own business and, um, and my, my brother works for a, startup in america and my sister's a musician and we're all just kind of like all of us are kind of just um none of us have ever just kind of gone and got jobs somewhere and sort of you know just been content with that in a way i think there's always been a kind of a I, I think even just subtly, you know, when I was much younger there was always just a kind of a, a subtle kind of pushing towards like go out and make something, you know, go out and do something like, don't wait for it all to come to you. You go out and make it. And I think there's, for me, there's always been that sort of sense of like, um, if I really want to feel like I've succeeded and been successful ultimately, then I really want to feel like I've kind of made something, you know, made it in a way. And, um, and I do see this kind of being a freelancer as like having a business basically. And, and I hope that, it can continue to grow in that sense. And, and that's kind of what I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hungry for definitely. So I don't know. I think it's just always been in, in, in the blood really just to always be kind of pushing forwards and looking Am- for the next thing. Ambitious um, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which can obviously be great, but um, yeah, like, I don't know. You only need to talk to my girlfriend to know about the, <laughs> the less good days you know like <laughs> i think um i i don't know yeah the the problem is that like you do you have days which are good and and you really thrive off you know the ideas you're making or other people that you're collaborating with but then there are other days where you know for me it's like if i haven't had enough sleep uh, because i really like that's just something i've kind of learned about myself is that i just need you know a certain number of hours and, how, how many um, hours for you like I'd happily take eight, like <laughs> if I can. That's like that's like that's the Rolls Royce of hours, man. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Like, but the thing is that, in a way, like I kind of I've learned that if I can get a good night's sleep and get up early ish, uh, then like then I'll I'll work twice as fast during the day, you know. Um, yeah. Rather than like getting three or four hours sleep and then um, working like late into the night or you know I, I i sort of really try and keep a bit of discipline if i can with just um with just everything you know with just a routine um like even when i eat my lunch you know um just because i know that if i don't then i'll kind of you know it i'll just kind of then i won't i'll start not sleeping right and then it just you know you have to i think you have to really keep on top of it i do anyway i i know that kind of myself so that's a very um, professional thing too is creating a routine that creates continuous outcome too it's, it's a yeah. it's, it's a proven thing i've proved it to myself too the problem for me is i constantly relapse and so i'm like yeah i'm on this pattern and then and then all of a sudden it's five o'clock in the morning and i'm like fuck what the hell and yeah then it throws and the rest of the week off it's like <laughs> like one in the afternoon here and i'm getting emails from you and i'm like god ash like (laughs) go to sleep dude yeah Yeah. (laughs) but those Um, those are the times that uh 
those are the flow times when the world's quiet and everything's everything's asleep and my brain is mm-hmm. clear nobody's emailing me i'm emailing people so <laughs> i get that i definitely get that yeah um how do you find I, how do you battle that um well like it's interesting because i used to always really think of myself as like a night a night owl a proper like someone who just really worked well at night and like i still find sometimes like you know if i can kind of come in here at you know in the evenings and put all the like moody lights on and like and just and just kind of really just focus then a lot of the best ideas come out um but actually i had a really interesting conversation um last weekend um or last week i sort of met up with a bunch of other composers uh, as we do quite often actually um and i was talking to this guy and um and we were just kind of agreeing and i'd never really thought about it but actually we're kind of agreeing that often our best work um seems to come out at like weekends or like times when like when we really shouldn't be working often um but like you know maybe on a on a saturday or something you might think like okay i'm just gonna go and compose for a few hours or whatever but like because you haven't started the day you know bang on time and thought like i've really got to achieve this today and you write a big list of everything you have to achieve like because it's just so much more laid back you end up actually having not the same high expectation of what you want to achieve from that day and actually then being much more much more contented with what you do manage to create um and I think the same can often be said in the evenings, you know, you haven't got people emailing you and you're not thinking like, I've got to hit this, I've got to get this amount done in this amount of time. Um, you just kind of, I think you just relax a lot more. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely a, a battle between that, which I kind of, you know, I know that often if I did work into the evenings, you know, I'd probably relax a bit more and maybe some interesting ideas would come out, but equally, then you know maybe the next two days would be a bit of a write-off so you know it's a balance ultimately um and i think you can create that kind of space for yourself during during the day as well you know if you're disciplined about it in trying not to sort of not be distracted by emails or like twitter or facebook or whatever it is yeah how do you deal Um, with the distractions of the world around you because there's a lot of them right (laughs) yeah um at the moment, a lot of builders, like in other, <laughs> like houses near mine, like just making so much noise all day. Um, well, like again, like it, it's all just a discipline thing. Like, and and I am very kind of prone to getting distracted by, like, emails. Definitely, definitely emails, and um, you know, and Twitter or whatever. Uh, I mean, on my kind of main working computer now, I've like downloaded this. Uh, this brilliant plugin for Google Chrome that like blocks your access to certain sites. Like, oh yeah, what's this plugin? Hours. It's called. Uh, oh, I can't it's called Get to Work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah, basically, it just kind of like it just. You can just choose which sites you want to block, and it basically, whenever you try and go on them, it just says, "Shouldn't you be working?" in big bold letters uh, <laughs> and. That kind of, and yeah, and actually, to be honest, like since I put that on, I, was, I I've just, you know, I kind of realised that I 
I just had bad habits, you know, and, and actually like when that comes up and it and, and you're sort of like, oh yeah, I really don't need to go on the internet. Like there's nothing really like maybe there's that kind of like, like very brief endorphin hit of someone liking something that you put on Facebook or whatever, but actually like the sort of compromise of your sort of creative focus that, that, that that brings just is definitely not worth it. Yep. Um, so that's kind of like one measure I've taken. Uh, it seems so drastic when I think about it, but actually it's just been really helpful. Um, I think it's called stay focused. Stay so focused. Like, yeah. I've heard of this, uh, for Chrome, right? Yeah. 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 So highly recommended. Um, I think it's good because you don't realize you have bad habits until you realize you have bad habits. So it's almost like, um, uh, you, it's like seeing the light. You didn't realize it was, was there. It's like a color of spectrum. A lot of times I think for myself and for many people that I talk to about this, cause I'm really interested in perfecting, um, hyper productivity. And a lot of the times it's due to bad practices or time management. Um, and I'm no professional of it at all. I'm more of a guinea pig. So I'm constantly testing like how much sleep I need <laughs> when my work flows best. Like, um, cause I'm trying to perfect it for my own self. Everybody has a different destination, but you said it perfectly, you know, the, it's a big distraction. Um, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's usually just a big distraction from your intention. The, the crazy and the, the hard thing is, is to decipher like when you're going to get an email from somebody like me who has an intention of like building something and how do you decipher who's what, you know, um, mm, from mm-hmm. all the yeah. minutia and the madness, because it's very alluring, right? Like, Oh, you know, maybe, you know, three people down, it leads me to this one thing. And it's like, really, it could be really great experience for me to have this. And how can I decipher this from other things? And that's why I think people, they see the possible potential in a lot of things and they get distracted by like, Oh, um, or little things like, Oh, he liked, or she liked my, whatever it is. And that little pump, you know, whatever that is, is is probably better just to get to work and continually making things, you know? Well, it's really, I mean, I just, just talking about it, it sort of puts in my head. I like, I have no idea of the science of any of this, but I'd imagine that, the thing is as well you know when you're making something when you're creating something you're ultimately working towards getting it to a place where you feel good and you get that kind of you know that little hit of like oh yeah no this is this is great i'm really pleased with this and and like and in a way not giving yourself that little satisfaction of of you know whatever you might get from interacting with people on the internet um might actually ultimately make it you know by not giving yourself that then um then you, I, I don't know, you, you almost need to work harder from it, f- like from what you're creating. Does that make any sense at all? I feel like I didn't totally that very no, well. it, it does. I mean, for <laughs> me, it does, it definitely does. It makes sense. So, but that's yeah. just, you know, I think what we're trying to articulate is very complicated and it's very personable and it has its own, um, you know, all our minds are all completely different. We're made of the same stuff, but we're completely designed differently based off of our own intentions and all these different little things here and there, which really spawn the uniqueness of, of living here on earth and being a human being and a conscious human being. That's like the, the irony of it all, you know? So, and trying to decipher and how, how to navigate these waters, you know, is very confusing. That's why we have things like this podcast to, you know, people that have like minds or like decisions or goals in life coming together and sharing that so that we can broadcast that out to people that, might feel isolated or alone or 
um, to help, help just, um, help them with their journey in, in one way or the other, um, the intention at least, yeah. you know, so, cause it can really be daunting. So just, yeah. It, I mean, it's like so helpful just to talk about it. I kind of, you know, I feel like whenever I meet up with other people doing this, you know, so often this is what, you know, people talk about because it's like, it's something that you always need to be thinking about and always trying to figure out and, and obviously listening to other people talking about it can be definitely helpful in, in, you know, in throwing things in that you might not have thought about before. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's never as straightforward as just sitting down and, and making stuff. It's like, you know, the, there's a myriad of other stuff going on around you all the time. Um, you know, literally in the world often, and also in kind of your life in terms of, um, you know, bills that need to be paid or, um, whatever it is, you know, so many things that can just be lingering in your mind that you need to, you need to figure out. And I mean, I'm the kind of person that like, you know, if there's something like that that comes in, then I'll be like, Oh God, I've got to sort it out like right away. Um, but part of the kind of discipline for me has just been in trying to kind of think like, you know, know that email doesn't need to be replied to right now or like, or that, that other thing can wait until later and actually just kind of like, when when sort of curveballs come in just actually just thinking okay how am i going to fit this into the schedule that i've already decided for this day rather than like oh god drop everything and like and deal with it sure um that's assessing I, the know, situation think, right don't you think assessment yeah yeah calmly ideally <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, yeah that's a professional way of approaching things i think though it's like a surgeon, Hopefully. you know, um, a good example I yeah. think would be a surgeon, um, a surgeon's dealing with all kinds of madness at one point, you know, somebody comes in demolished by a car accident, for example, and mm. they have to try and re- revive this person or save them. And there's a million different things to do at this, at one point and you only have so much time. So you must distill down your, each decision has to be distilled down to pure intention, I think, you know, and really honing in on that so as to be the best that you can. And I always often say is like, why can't artists be the same way? You know, like why can't Mm. I'm always really um, like, if you want to get really deep into it, you could start studying the mythologies and the work ethic and and formulas from Olympic athletes, for example, the fanaticism. Mm. And and to a point it becomes ridiculous. Um, But, but there is some interesting things. And I always felt to myself like, well, if I could apply these principles to, my creative career, I'll be a monster, you know? So why yeah. not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. You know, like if you're, if you're going to do something right, you should, if you're going to do something, you should just do it right once and do it the best that you can, you know, the best intention. So, but I feel yeah. like you have a very similar, um, approach, which is interesting. And I love talking about this stuff with people as well. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I think ultimately as well, the one thing that we often forget is that there's a life to be led as well, you know, and um, there's there's a life beyond. There always is like a life beyond whatever it is that might be driving you crazy. And I think often, it, you know, it, building, it, working out how to just lead a normal life as well in amongst it all is such an important part of it. Like, you know, I know for one that like just factoring in time to see people and to do things and just kind of think like, no, I don't need to be working that day because then that will make me work twice as well for the week afterwards, you know, um, 
like that's such an important part of it as well like sort of ironically that the not working can be such have such a big impact on the the work if that makes sense totally um it's the recharge it's that work-life balance isn't it that's the sort of yeah that's that's the age-old question it's a it's a big topic that we discuss on the show a lot i also i also always bring up this book called manage your day-to-day which i always refer to people um i don't know if you are you familiar with that book i'm not no uh you you'd love this book it's definitely right up your alley it's called (laughs) manage your day-to-day um it's one of those it's one of those books that i got um somebody recommended it to me and it really changed my outlook on things and turned me more into the professional I think then it's just, it, it's just, it's designed for people that are creative um, and want to just get like a, a quick dose of it to yeah. it's, it's, it's written by other creatives kind of um, it's, I think it's Scott Belsky who created LinkedIn or something. I can't or oh, Behance cool. or something. Behance. I can't remember. I'm totally messing it up. I'm trying to get him on the show too. Cause he's a really smart guy. And I think he would provide a lot of interesting insight to high level professionalisms and stuff like that. But um is a busy guy, obviously. Um, <laughs> but it's really cool, the, the design of it and, and, and a working professional and, and working on that balance. I mean, there's some people in the book that do testimonies that they'll do no technology for on Sundays. There's no technology. There's a complete disconnect so that their brain mm. can reset. And that's that's a really important thing. Um, you don't realize it, at least for me, when I'm running, I don't want to stop running, you know, but I know that I need to take a rest. But the last yeah. thing on my mind when I'm running is like, I should sit down. I'm like, no, I should just keep fucking running because yeah. I'm already oh, here, yeah, you know, but how do, how do you, how do you um, restrain and how do you pull back and, and wh- what's your actions towards taking breaks and stuff? I swear we'll um, talk about music too. I swear. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and composing music and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, like again, it, you know, it's constantly being refined as uh, you know, trying to trying to just get better at, at, at sort of yeah, managing just taking breaks and that sort of thing. Again, you, you kind of need to talk to my girlfriend about all this. I'm sure she'd have much better insights than I can ever <laughs> offer. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, things like so, like recent things that I've started doing, like especially since I've been starting to work with more people overseas you know in different time zones and stuff i was kind of finding that so like i'll I'll set an alarm on my phone to wake me up in the morning and i was kind of beginning to find that like i would go to bed and um i'd wake up you know just at like four in the morning or something and turn over and and just think oh what's the time and check on my phone and then i'd see like i've got (laughs) like three emails or whatever and like i'd be like okay i'm not gonna read them but then i'd spend the next four hours like imagining what they were saying or like (laughs) just sleeping really badly and just be and so it kind of just got to the point where i was like okay like i've got to kind of just start switching off like data and wi-fi like after a certain time so like so it's kind of got to the point where i'm like well after 10 o'clock at night like really if anyone's trying to contact me they can wait until tomorrow you know it's like <laughs> it's not gonna like be the end of the world um so like so yeah i've kind of just basically just started doing that just switching off the internet at 10 o'clock or around then hmm. and um wow and then and then you know and actually like it's weird like when you do that i don't know that kind of action of just switching off like i can feel i instantly feel more relaxed i'm like okay good like end of the day like time to wind down um and then you know the next morning like you know maybe at like seven thirty or something i'll put it back on and 
you know, so far I haven't like missed any kind of like crazy deadlines or like any any jobs or anything. So, like, I think the moral is that like after a certain time, most things can wait until the next day. Um, and like, yeah, I think you just sleep better for it, and it it helps your brain just think like work has stopped for the day. Um, hmm. I don't know if like 10 is early or late or whatever, but um, like, it's it early like- as hell. Nine <laughs> <laughs> thirty for me is when the second shift starts. So <laughs> yeah, I had somebody email uh, myself and, and Anthony asking for advice about um, just, you know, the basics of, you know, what should I do and how should I do it? And how do I find balance for my own work? And the simple truth of it is, uh, how much are you willing to sacrifice? You know, the effort that you put into it is a direct result of the success that you're willing to take from it, depending on the time. And so what we were saying is like, I was just saying now, which is kind of contrary to what you're saying about your pattern, but it's at like the second shift starts at nine 30 when most people will shut down. For me, the, the second shift starts at that time. That's when I work on my video game or I work on Lost Boy or I work on these different films and projects, stuff like with you um, or other things that are non-client. That's when it changes for me. But the problem is, is the burnout. So seems like you've yeah. probably figured out a good, you just, just the right amount of food, it sounds like. So to not throw up <laughs> and gorge yourself. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it is interesting. And to be honest, like when I, when I'm working on things that are self motivated, you know, like records and stuff, then then I'm kind of like you, you know, like that's when my brain really starts going like, okay, I need to start sending all these people emails or whatever. But um, but yeah, for the most part, I kind of do try and switch. I don't know. I just like I yeah, I just work so much better if I kind of have the discipline to just switch off at a certain time and as i said to you earlier like i find that then the next day i'll get twice as much done in half the time because because i just have to you know um and because i've got the energy to do it and um, and i've had the space and the relaxation time and all the rest of it so yeah uh, definitely that's really interesting though to think about the pattern and stuff well, enough about that crap because that's not even. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's it's. I think it's really important too to kind of decipher you know patterns and approaches. But let's talk a little bit more about your influences, and I'd love to know a little bit about your origin and kind of you know you talked about your dad being um, you know building his own company and all that kind of stuff, and your siblings and stuff. It's, it's I'm curious to see because um, also like um, your ability to play instruments. Um, I've con I've had, I have the, uh, the awake EP that you made on my phone and I do, uh, I try to do walks every day and, um, I've constantly find myself listening to that album and it's just, it has some really beautiful progressions and the way that you're putting and composing things together. So, um, so I just asked like five questions at once, but decipher which one you like. So (laughs) you can start with influences, I guess, and we can talk about like, you know, your use of playing music and how to deal with your influences and stuff like musical like other composer influences do you mean or like whatever like yeah yeah, whatever i mean it Um, could be composers other composers you you mentioned newman and we talked about martinez and 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 crystal ball and stuff so 
it's only really Thomas Newman really like, <laughs> that it comes down to it. Um, he's such I a mean, genius. He inf- he's influenced so many of those other guys anyway. Um, and, the, you know, the Newmans, like, it's such a dynasty of, like, film composers, like, it's just generations. Like, they can do no wrong, basically. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Um, I kind of trying to think where it all kind of began. Like, I mean, I always, I always sort of played. Like, my mum is a is still a piano teacher, um, and um, you know, she went to music college, and um, and you know, all my family just had kind of musical bones, really. So it was always kind of um, always around, and and so I kind of started playing the piano when I was five, um, and kind of that's just the way it was for kind of 10 years or so I um, kind of did all the grades and all the rest of it and then kind of when I was about 15 or so I just kind of like I don't know much to my mum's kind of like despair I just kind of begun to just have no interest in doing any more exams and um, I you know I'd go and practice but I'd spend like half an hour just like improvising and then like five minutes playing scales or something and um and so yeah so I guess that's kind of where all the kind of composing came from really um I just always was way more fascinated in kind of like figuring out like I just remember this time when I found like um you know like this sort of chord relation basically kind of like like a minor chord to the related major chord and I and I kind of just found this little progression that you could do and and I was like oh wow like that's so cool and then kind of made this whole piece out of it and um and I I just I kind of still have that fascination definitely and and it's still kind of where almost all my ideas begin just kind of like messing around on the piano and and just thinking like oh I've never thought about going from that chord to that chord before and I wonder what that would do and um yeah, like I often kind of think that my composing is sort of so like scattergun like that because I'm just like, oh, I don't like, I just want to try all these ideas. I don't kind of usually go in with any kind of grand design of like, oh, that chord goes nicely to that one or whatever. I just like, I still just like to kind of just try things out until I find something that I think sounds cool and then run with it, you know? Um, and um, so, yeah, and then. And then, I mean, I studied music and so I kind of always had all the, like, the kind of theory grounding and, um, and I, you know, I played the piano to like a reasonably high level, never to kind of like the level you have to go to, to be a proper concert pianist, um, which is much more like what my sister did. Um, and she's a singer as well. And, um, and I just never had the discipline to kind of to, to become a proper performing musician like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the composing thing was just always the the thing I wanted to do. I think, um, although I never really, I don't really remember having any kind of thoughts about how I was ever actually going to do it. But I've seemed to have somehow managed it. So. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> no, I th- um, I, that's pretty cool to know that you were um, kind of rebellious in the form of. Um, cause I think with music, there's two schools of thought. There's many schools, obviously you have the Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. um, who just play naturally kind of from the soul. It's obviously, um, it's like Stevie Ray Vaughan is the same kind of like, but it's, it's years and years of them playing until they can get to that level, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like the Ingwie Mousteens. There's like, you know, like the super technical wizard guys who know how to play every scale, but what do you feel at the end of it? Is it, is it a spectation or is it actually 
is there an emotion behind it? And I think the thing that I personally connect with, with your work in regards is you're capturing a feeling. And to me, that's very important. I think that's why make anything, especially music or art that doesn't have a feeling. There's no point and it's conveying, mm. it's conveying emotion. Art and music is a high specific level of human communication and interaction. And if, if you don't design it like that, then it's just becomes kind of a useless tool in my perspective, you know, and yeah, there's two, there's multiple schools of thought on that, obviously. And there's so many different nuances to that, but that's my opinion, you know? So, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, it's, I think what I kind of, what I'm grateful for is that I kind of hope that I kind of, I sit somewhere in the middle ground of like, you know, like, cause I compose quite, um, I'm not going to say like Jimi Hendrix, that's far too like high and mighty, but like, I I kind of, I think like that kind of um, approach of just being like wanting to just like find an idea and run with it. Yeah. um, is kind of much more like, that's how I like to approach composing, but I'm grateful that, um, that equally I can write it all down and, um, and, you know, look at it and say, "Oh, like, uh, oh, I could have gone that direction at that point, or whatever." And like, and to be to have that theoretical knowledge as well, to be able to kind of like, I think when I'm in a rut with it, the th- the theory really comes to the rescue because at the end of the day, I can w- always know what I what it is that I'm doing in a way, um, and um, and I, I think like sort of. I don't know. I think certainly working composers, the working composers who really kind of um, are successful are the ones that have that, that hopefully have that sort of balance between those two skills. Um, because when you're up against it on a deadline, sometimes you just really need to be able to just figure out like what's wrong with something and, and how to kind of resolve a problem very quickly. And that's when the theory really comes to the rescue. Um but I kind of I had quite an interesting kind of education music wise just because um, when I was studying at university that that's kind of when I'd begun to write in the theatre and there's this big kind of student run theatre and they put on all these like productions every term and I wrote like so much music for all of these different guys and um, and so I kind of had that one side of my life and then on the other side I was actually studying music and studying composition but I had this composition tutor who was um, kind of I don't think he's going to be listening to this and certainly not an hour and 10 minutes in so I'm going <laughs> to I'm just going to talk about him freely and openly um is my connection still right by the way I kind of yeah you sound great okay brilliant sometimes it um, dips out yeah. but it's it's actually really good especially for you being in the UK which is usually really bad out there so okay good. <laughs> um so yeah he was an interesting one because he just came from a very kind of um I don't know he had very specific thoughts about what music should be and in his mind it wasn't all those things that i think we're in agreement about what music should be um which is you know hitting emotion he was much more interested in music articulating an argument basically um and sort of you know the much more kind of learned style of concert hall writing um which in my opinion is kind of has been the death of classical music in yeah, so many ways absolutely um, it hasn't hasn't been able to advance yeah and people like yourself i feel um who are are, are are trying you know and pushing you know but sorry yeah. you're saying about your the, the dynamics with your tutor 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting dynamic, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, like like most students do, I kind of like rebelled against it, and um, and it was weird. I it was just very strange because I kind of, on the one hand, I had this like real buzz from making all this like creating all this work for the theatre, and then for my actual degree, you know, I had this tutor who was sort of completely against that style of writing um but i think i learned a lot from him and a lot from the constraints that i was put under um it made me think a lot more about what i wanted to be creating you know and that's no bad thing um and i got through the degree in the end and i don't have any contact with him now so like you know swings around about um Hmm. but uh sure yeah people like that are designed to be in your life too just to show you who you really are i think as well and and whether it's it's to, to support you or to show you how important that it is to you you know and like okay i'm really i'm really this type of creative because i'm willing to create this uncomfortable situation every time with this person and it's not because i choose to it's just because that's who i am um, mm. that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it too. Cause oftentimes, we, um, as creative people, we hit a roadblock, um, and think like, you know, this is a challenge, but I think, um, instead of, I guess it's perspective, you know, it's like, I always look at it as it being a grand design and already established mm. grand design, almost like your book's already written. And then you're just kind of, you're eventually it'll, you'll, re, you'll be revealed as to why you're dealing with this shit right now but you just got to keep pushing on. You just got to keep reading and turning the pages, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, what else can you do ultimately? Like there's no point in, um, you know, I, I think sometimes you need to fight against it, but there's no point in it sort of, you know, really wearing you down because as you say, sometimes these kind of hurdles come along and you just have to, and, and you, you know, you do learn a lot from it. And, um, I mean, the stuff that I learned from him, you know, just like orchestration and stuff that, um that is still really useful just because he was such a stickler for detail in everything um and he just went so far like to, he was just so obsessed with everything being you know if you're notating music everything had to be so precise and you had to anticipate what every musician was going to be able to do technically and um those things still you know run around my head whenever i'm writing you know for stuff to be played live i'm always like okay have i like put everything in that I need to, you know? Um, so, you know, there are benefits always, I think, um, even if you can't see it at the time. Absolutely. It sounds like it was really intense, but at the same time, um, probably really good. Like, cause like you said, um, when you get in a bind, the understanding of language of being able to write and visualize it, communicate the language of music, and then also using the theory to get you out of a pinch, that's a very special and unique trait that not everybody has. Understanding the language of music and how to convey that is a very unique language. And it's kind of dying, I think, in a lot of ways, um, as far as just my understanding of where music is and where it's going. But at the same time, it's yeah. being revived into com like a completely different arena, basically. Um, which is fascinating yeah. in itself. So, I mean, yeah, it is a really interesting time for music writing in general, just because there's been this sort of obviously this huge shift as you know like i work my whole day on a computer now um and sort of almost all the music that i write like as much as i 
work to to get live musicians in when I can and and you know even just one or two whatever um you know still the vast majority of what I'm writing is you know created on a computer or um you know even if someone's mixing it or whatever it's all done on computers um and uh what was I going to say yeah and and so it that does have an impact on um like it's weird. I think it does have an impact on the music, definitely, because you're you're always pushed towards creating something that's um, that the computer is good at doing in a way. I think you have to be very aware of that. Like often, that there's an easy route that you know that a computer will help you go on, but often you need to be prepared to think no. Like I need to go against the grain a little bit and actually. I hope I hope that the kind of the most interesting composers, musicians, whatever, are the ones that are pushing against the grain a little bit, you know, and saying, okay, well, everyone else is just working solely in a computer now. So what happens if I don't do that? Um, I think I think I hope that there's always in any kind of cycle. I think you know these things go in cycles, and. Um, I think ultimately people are always going to just notice something that stands out from the crowd because it's just a bit different. Um, and in a way, I think for me, the most exciting musicians are the ones that are doing things that are kind of, you know, they're, they're doing really interesting things with recording techniques or like just making stuff that's obviously not, you know, all just done digitally in a computer, you know, there's, sure. Breaking there's that the grain. human element to it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's that's a there's a key to that. I, that's a really smart thing and a and a very a really good in, um, observation for anybody that's listening to is if you're making something and you're a part of a crowd of people making things, be very aware and cautious of what other people are doing. Um, be cautious. I think for me personally, I look at um, trends basically. Like I don't ever acknowledge them. I try not to ever acknowledge them um, purely to let them push the intention of my work. I, I acknowledge them as the fact of like, that's what I don't want to do. And so like yeah. you said, if, yeah, if, every, yeah. if everybody's using the Ableton or computer software and, and engineering, and that's great, there's some really great things. But um, even like we talked about um, for the project we're working on and how you want to employ people to do to play instruments i'm like dude if we can fit in the budget i would love to help support somebody to do that and just to like continue that legacy even if it's very small to me it's yeah. just, it, it feels like very wholesome and the fact and i love the idea that you're not like let's just do it all in the computer it's like okay yeah. you because the music and the sound of it you just can't touch that i mean computers are really amazing and what we've figured out how to use with the computer is fascinating but you just can't, you just can't touch that tangible, the way the, the player's fingers slides on the string and the way that it's vibrating across in the room and just the antiquity of the, the wood of the instrument itself. I mean, all those things, they build up to this massive experience, you know, and that's in and of itself is the uniqueness of it. Those are, that's the extra 10%, I think, or the extra 5%, which distinguishes you from the rest of the crowd, I think, you know? Well, hopefully. I mean, I, I think ultimately, even though we have this perception of sort of live music dying, perhaps, like, I still think that all of the, you know, all the people that we've talked about, probably ever, <laughs> you know, the vast majority of them, 
it it's live it, even if it's not like live in a traditional sense of like you know your string section or whatever like even if they're just playing on like old analog synthesizers or whatever and they're recording parts in live and they're just you know i think that really people people can hear that people really latch onto it. i think like all the scores that like people talk about and people that i wouldn't expect to have noticed them are always the ones where people have like where they're full of those kind of imperfections basically that just make them stand out um i think it's all about the imperfections definitely yeah um, so yeah um and i hope that we're kind of i don't know i think that at the moment they're kind of prevailing um sort of musical obviously Hans Zimmer is sort of such a massive influence on all all film music like on so much film music anyway at the moment he's like the and Michael Jordan on, right now huh <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um and um yeah like and, and obviously that filters down um like I think Hans Zimmer is a really interesting case in point because like we all associate Hans Zimmer with like this massive epic like this epic thing right but like and and there were like you know hundreds of thousands of composers working to kind of emulate that every day and getting briefs coming at them every day saying <laughs> I want Hans Zimmer and so you know and they're so they're thinking like okay I've got to throw like four hundred strings at this and like and make it the most epic epic thing ever imaginable but actually like if you really listen to most of Hans Zimmer's work um, more often than not there's some really like there's some really tiny tiny stuff going in there against you know his massive like brass section and string section whatever contrast like yeah. often you'll just have like one guitar or one violin really really closely recorded that's just like really got loads of imperfections in it and it's throwing up loads of odd harmonics and stuff and actually it's that which people really latch onto and that's what's really telling the story yep um but they're only so remembering the bomb, you know, so it makes <laughs> and it makes sense because that feels like that's what you were kind of focusing on or something, but it's a, it's an all, it's all an illusion. And I think only people like yourself or even me, if I'm really paying attention to it are going to, you know, like we said, like inception, for example, and the way that he recorded the live guitar and even using a guitar and, and I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's there's so many really interesting things to that. We, we talked to probably too much about Hans Zimmer, but he's a great case in point as far as like the Michael Jordan of the, conter- the current day, and also because he's teamed up with you know one of the the last, last in, in in its in his breed of of the filmmakers, which is Nolan, who's one of the last that can produce these three hundred million dollar movies at this scale. I mean, Interstellar. I mean, you got to look at the 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 sheet. There's it's a, it's a sheet made of only a couple of dudes, and he's one of them. And it's a dying breed, I think, personally, because films are on it. They're changing completely, and yeah. things things are changing completely. We we should talk a little bit about Cristobal, and and because yeah. we both really love his work, and it's fascinating stuff. And talk about imperfection. Yeah. But distilling yeah. it down to soul, I think I believe he's from Brazil, so it makes a lot of sense when you listen to the life and the and the feel, the energy and feeling. How did you come about listening and finding his uh, his work? Um, so I saw it. Um, so do you know Utopia? We talk, have we talked about Utopia? Uh, we talked briefly in email. I love that show. Um, we talked yeah. we talked more about the score and just how amazing yeah. it is. It's just a work um, of art in, in itself. I mean, I th- I think I'd sort of come across that score before I'd even seen Utopia, but then I watched it all, like, I, I kind of, co- I watched it all on, like, 
well like catch up tv basically so i think i watched it in like just almost like one stint um and like i mean i i just love the whole feel of that show as well i think like if anyone hasn't seen that then like i, I think it's just brilliance in tv um and kind of just setting a tone and um and they're making an american version actually, yeah apparently. fincher yeah um, that's why they stopped making season three was stopped i think because they're going to reserve it for um hbo and fincher's on to produce it or direct yeah. it or something i'm curious to see good luck with beating that guys because <laughs> that's amazing it's really great yeah sorry you got a bit broken up there but um oh, but yeah sorry. i i caught the the fincher thing um so um so yeah like i think um and yeah obviously that that score for that show is like it's like it's phenomenal because it's like so bizarre and kind of but so exciting and so perfect for that show um and there's someone telling me was it was it you i can't remember if it was you who was telling me the story so like let me know if so but there was someone who was telling me the other day that apparently in that score the really like hollow percussion sound was it you who were telling me about this uh possibly i read a bit about it Appar- apparently it was like it was like cow pat basically that he drummed on and recorded it oh really um <laughs> apparently i didn't know I that know. one if that's you not me show, you're gonna have to ask him about that right <laughs> yeah of course he you can tell in his um, his style is very unorthodox you know so um, everything about it yeah but it's but it, the yeah. chaos it all comes together and it fits the show so perfectly it's mm-hmm. just so good and it's almost it's singular so you can listen to it without the show even as an enjoying like enterprise of of sound you know and it's really mm-hmm. fascinating um just talking about contemporary composers contemporary composers working on some of the, the best stuff in tv my personal opinion you know um, yeah. He's definitely one of those guys. Is there any who's 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 current now that you're seeing that is badass or underrated that's coming up, or somebody that you really um, you really love, or even a friend of yours or something? Let's promote those guys. Who who's coming up that you're really digging? I mean, I've got lots of like composer friends here in London who I obviously think very highly of. Um, uh, who who can I talk about? Um, Dro- I mean, I've got names. a friend, Alex. I've got a friend, Alex Baranowski, who's um, been a really good uh, sort of person to know, and I've done a bit of work with him, and I've kind of known him a few years. He's he's sort of like a few years older than me, not many. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we just always kind of have really hit it off, and I think we've got kind of, you know, a lot of similarities in the kind of music we like to write. And he, um, yeah, he's done some really, really good work, Um there was a documentary which if you haven't seen i'd really really recommend it's on netflix over here but i don't know about with you but it's called mccullen um and it's about a uh photographer a a war photographer um called don mccullen and it's kind of it's a documentary but it's like unbelievable like it's so kind of harrowing but fascinating it's that kind of film you know as i think as we've talked about before where you get like completely drawn into this world emotionally and you're like and you come out the other side and you're like oh my god like that was a such a journey such an adventure like some of the pictures you see in that film it's just like never gonna get that out of my head but like so yeah so for my friend alex that was kind of like a, a bit of a kind of break for him and and he's kind of gone on to some really really cool work and and so yeah so he's a he's a great guy I'd really recommend checking him out um 
I've got another friend, Peter Gregson, who's um, a cellist and a composer, um, just kind of got his sort of first break working with Alan Rickman and, um, you know, yeah, lo- lots of guys here who are kind of beginning to really kind of get a lot of momentum and get bigger and bigger jobs and it's exciting, you know, and it's exciting that, totally. like, you know, that these are just guys that we just go out and have beer with and go and get curry and stuff you know? yeah that's um, the best though because you guys are constantly you guys are kind of creating a bubble you feel like you guys are kind of on the the new wave of creating a lot of this stuff or trying to be creating the hopefully yeah the next wave i of, think there's something something kind of like hopefully going on in london like a little bit just in this kind of um uh, what i don't know what you'd very broadly call like contemporary classical worlds that you know like people like Niels from from Berlin and Olaf Arnolds in Iceland like those guys have kind of been making this world this sort of this new sort of emerging contemporary classical thing and um I don't know like I kind of sense something going on here in London um certainly in, amongst a lot of the guys that I know like a lot of them are kind of making records and just making stuff and experimenting and um and kind of just really pushing forwards and I think like slowly but surely that you know there's there's a bit more attention on what's going on here and but you never know you never know like obviously you can never tell whether there's actually any kind of a movement happening you know sure um, you shouldn't be able to see it when you're doing it it should just be exactly. it should just be you and your actions and your intention yeah, yeah. should be pure and it should just you, you'll feel it later on when people talk about it you know but yeah, yeah. well exactly yeah. um there so definitely cool. is though there's something coming up you know the whole soundcloud thing and the way itunes works now and we should, we should talk a little bit about well, I have about five more minutes but we should definitely talk about your latest venture with the awake thing because i think that's kind mm. of it's a, it's a special step 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 for you right i mean it's it's yeah. it's kind of like um it's your it's yours you know um yeah 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 just special. exactly it's um so yeah, so I mean, so obviously yeah, it's this record that I made, um, just like a four-track EP. Um, hopefully, first of many. I'm kind of plotting the next thing now. Um, but yeah, like it, it was great. Like it was a really nice thing to do. It's sort of something I'd talked about doing for a really long time, um, as often is the case. And um, and I kind of, you know, I had a bit of success last year with kind of advertising jobs that, um, you know, helpfully pay very well even if they aren't always that exciting and um and i kind of just thought you know like i've kind of been paid this small sort of modest chunk of money but you know i'll just kind of invest it back into a project so i kind of just did that really and um sort of found like a really nice studio in london and some people i really trusted and just hired them and and made this thing basically and um and yeah and it's been great like i mean it's been brilliant so far for just kind of like opening lots of doors and lots of meetings here that I'd never have got without it. Um, but for me, you know, it's just been a brilliant thing to just, I don't know, like it's a really nice new thing that I can sort of work on this sort of making records. It's kind of like, I can always have that going on in the back of my mind. I know like, obviously there are all sorts of things that you have like that, that are kind of projects of yours that like, um, that you know if you're kind of feeling like oh i don't know like what what my direction is or whatever it's like ah well i've always got that thing you know the records or whatever it is um that 
and I think like that's been such an it's been such an like such an important part of like I don't know my kind of creative development just starting to do that and having my own projects um just to kind of keep me sane really sure because <laughs> um, is it more or less because you can't really get that out when you're working on other client stuff and it's just I mean this you is can you, sometimes sure you you can sometimes but I think there's something like it's nice to be able to just like work off brief, you know, and just kind of like, and you get so much from doing that that just reminds you like, um, you know, why you're, why you're doing it in a way. I mean, I, I don't think I kind of question that too much, but, um, but obviously there are days when, when you're thinking like, you know, you're really up against it and, and just having something like that, that you're just thinking like, okay, I'm looking forward to working on that. Like when I next have some time, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting stuck back into that idea and seeing where I can take it. And, you know, and, and as I said, I sort of, you know, I'm working on the next record now, which I'm hoping to get out sort of later in the year. And, um, and even now, like, you know, there's, I'm just thinking like it, I can't wait to get back going on that. Those things I've started, you know, Anyway, I know we're sort of running out of time now. No, definitely. I we should definitely do round two. Um, there's lots more to talk <laughs> about, and I, especially after we do our our collaborative and our project, I think it'd be fun. Maybe we get Michael on as well and do kind of like a a project synopsis and discuss and analyze our process and stuff. Because I'm really curious to see the yeah. outcome of it. You know, it could be a lot of fun and um, yeah, yeah so, something to think about. So. But no, I really appreciate it. This has been a podcast in the making for a while now, and I'm just really happy we got this out there. And um, yeah, yeah. We'll, ha- we'll have links to all your work. And um, everybody that's listening, go check out his albums, support him, buy them if you like them, you know, like check it out. It's really, really amazing stuff. And I'm um, full support of it. And I think it's it's really great to see and to be able to connect with people that um, are really passionate and have drive and talent like yourself. And yeah, I'm just humbled by the experience. So I appreciate you coming on. Nice one. Thanks a lot. I'd obviously likewise right back at you with everything. Like, you know, it's really just good to talk about it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%, man. But um, yeah, thank you so much and have a wonderful day. And we'll just, you know, we'll keep in touch. So see you, mate. Yeah. Take care. And that does it for this week's episode. Big thank yous to Angus for coming on and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to Angus's work in all the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 105 along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. So have a wonderful day, everybody. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out.